Good evening, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful fall time evening? Amen. Isn't it crazy? It's at six o'clock and it's already been dark for a couple hours. So we are in that time of year. Personally, I love it because it reminds me that summer is gone. Amen. So praise God for that. I love the fall time. We're going to have an awesome time tonight getting into the word of God. My dad's going to be preaching about healing and how we can receive healing in our lives. It's going to be really really powerful. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we're going to keep believing that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we have an amen on that tonight? All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness Mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight, and you may be seated. All right. Well, today, if you didn't see this morning, is Pastor Josh's 40th birthday. So happy birthday to Pastor Josh. Um, <clears throat> but he's they're out of town tonight. So Alex and Adriana and Ray Liana are going to be leading us in worship. So let's uh, amen. They're going to do a great job tonight. And Pastor Josh will be back this coming week. All right, let's get into some announcements here. Uh, we have got a lot going on right now. First of all, this Friday night at 6.30 is the November women's meeting, everybody. So, yeah, it's going to be great. The ladies are studying the book of Ruth about a, you know, a powerful, wonderful woman of God in scripture. And then the menu is Mexican food. So you can bring something to share that night. And it's just going to be a really great night for all you ladies. And then I'm really excited about this. This upcoming Sunday is baptism Sunday. Hallelujah. We've got 15 people already signed up. And so we're going to be baptizing a lot. But if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity. We do this every few months. Uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be a few months before we do it again. So uh, if you haven't been baptized, I recommend that you get signed up now. And then if you are signed up and you weren't here this morning, we want to get a picture of you. Uh, if you could meet us over here right at the end of the service, because they're going to have your picture on the screen while you're getting baptized. It's a new thing that the media team's wanting to do. So uh, if you are signed up and didn't get a picture this morning, meet them over there right after service, and they're going to get that picture of you, all right? And then one of my favorite things to announce all year long is the church Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah! <laughs> Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And so uh, let's get this passed around. On Sunday, November the 19th, right after the morning service, is the big HTWC family Thanksgiving dinner. And so we got this sign-up sheet for you to sign up uh, to bring something to, to share that day. It is going to be a big family feast, all right? And uh, so we'll have tables set up all on this side of the sanctuary, and uh, Robert's been getting very strategic on how he's going to 
finagle this around and fit everybody in here that day, but it's going to work. Amen. And so we want to see you there for the Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, we have coming up the uh, Christmas came early party. The Christmas came early party. That's going to be the very last Sunday of November. This is probably, man, our fifth, sixth, maybe seventh year. We've been doing this annually for a lot of years right now, but um, it's going to be the last Sunday at 6 p.m., so uh, there won't be a, a regular Sunday night service that night. It's going to be the Christmas came early party. Everybody uh, is welcome to be there, and so if you bring, we're asking each family, each household, bring a dozen cookies to share. Uh, the church is going to provide the hot cocoa and drinks and stuff, and uh, if possible, wear an ugly sweater. Who can do that for us? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Very good. All right. And uh, that's going to help out. And then we do a gift exchange. It's optional, but if you want to be part of the gift exchange, it's super fun. Okay. Children's church kids, if they're bringing a gift for it, just a $1 gift, okay, for the children's church kids. And then Youth group and on up into adults, uh, the limit is a $5 gift for the exchange. And we we make a big fun deal out of it. You'll love it. So anyway, we want you to be here that night uh, to share in the fun. It's going to be absolutely great. And then uh, one more thing. We are doing a toy drive this Christmas season for the Greater Hope Foundation Foster Agency. And there, we should, this coming week, we should have a big toy bin right back there by the info booth. And so, you know, bring in, a, uh, you know, a toy from the store for any age group. They need to be, you know, new toys uh, for little babies on up to teenagers. And we will get those over to them uh, in December and they can wrap them and give them out to the children this Christmas season. And uh, we just, we want to do our part. You know, we're, we're blessed and we want to do our part uh, to be a blessing to others. Who knows that that's a good thing for Christians to do. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, I think that's all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Amen. It's happy time. God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And we're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter six this evening. Amen. Matthew chapter six. I'm going to be in the new living translation, the NLT, Matthew chapter six. And I think we're going to go to verse 24 here. And this whole section of this chapter has some really good stuff for us about money. But Matthew 6 and verse 24, it's kind of a hard-hitting verse. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And you're like, well, what's he talking about? Then he just gets right to it. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Woo! That's a big statement right there. You can't serve God and serve money at the same time. Now, does that mean money is bad? Of course not. Money, I mean, money, it depends on how you use it, but money can be a very good thing. But when money begins to 
own you instead of you owning it. When money begins to control you, you'll do anything if it's your master. And you'll even do, you know, wrong things to obtain it at that point. But when Jesus is your master, you'll, your money's not an issue for you because you'll say, you know what? I can give God 10%. You know what? I can help out with the toy drive. I can help out, you know, with others in need because money is not my boss. Amen. Uh, I'm the boss of my money and I'm going to do what God says with it. And so that's a very, very true scripture for us to stand on as we do our tithes and our offerings tonight that I'm serving God. I am not serving money. And because of that, the Lord can bless me. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right, let's stand up together. Amen. We're going to be speaking some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then we're going to let these guys lead us into worship tonight, and they're going to do a great job. It's going to be awesome. So let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. You guys put up your ties. You're more than welcome to come up here and worship with us.
Jesus is good and his mercy endures forever. Say that with me. Say, Jesus is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Give somebody a high five or a hug or whatever you do and you can be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Like I've said for a lot of years, I would rather be here tonight than the best hospital in the whole country. Or the best prison or jail or rehab center. Man, I like being delivered. I like being free. I like being healed. I like knowing what my future is. Amen. I know what the Bible says. Psalms 91, 16. Because he said, because you've set your love upon him with long life. Will he satisfy you and show you his salvation? And do you know what? The last time that God said the word, a specific number on life for mankind was to Noah. He said 120 years. And when the children of Israel were in Egypt in Psalms, in Psalms 90, uh, said because of judgment on that, on that race that 70 years was mankind. Back then, a minimum of 70 years under judgment. Amen. And so I know my future. I'm going to live a long time because I'm going to keep my love on him. Amen. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus told us what that means. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my word. And then he even said this, he that obeyeth not my word, loveth not my father. Wow. And so you know what? I fell in love with the Word of God in 1980. And I love the Word of God every day. And then the Bible even goes a step further, says the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. So to love Jesus is to love His Word. When you love the Word, you're loving Jesus. I plan on living a long time. None of that was even planned. just comes out of me. Because that's my lifestyle. How about you? Amen, amen. Uh, put, put that thing on the screen up there, Blake, that uh, Pastor Dave showed. Okay, can you read that? Can you make it bigger? Can you guys read that? Okay, it says that that's this morning in a church service in California. We got a family who used to go to our church, and they still strongly hooked up with us. They're looking for a church where they live now. I got this text today. This afternoon, he sent me a text that said, Pastor... We're trying out new churches here and said, I was in this thing for five minutes and we got up and walked out. What that says is this, that pastor says right there across the screen, the Lord uses sickness to increase our trust. Well, think about this. Is it, is it trust, faith? How does faith come to the believers? Hearing what? The word of God. And as we was worshiping, I was thinking about that statement there. I was thinking about that statement. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If faith come by sickness, we'd all be spiritual giants. There's nobody in here wouldn't be a spiritual giant if you being sick made you have more faith in God. Amen. Anyway, I said that to say this. That's why it's so important a lot of churches are like our churches. They teach, they teach the Word of God on healing. That's why it's so important to go to a church that teaches the Bible on healing 
and not somebody's opinion. Now, this is the November devotional, and it's all on healing for the month of November. Every lesson's on healing, and they're not things that I got out of a book. They're things that I've lived and preached for over 40 years. They're things that come out of my spirit from the Word of God. They're all scriptures. I have none of my opinions in here, none of my ideas, just short little things that just a very few minutes you read it, and then they, I got the verses right here, and then like we make our financial faith confession, our confession over America, I have healing confessions at the end of every one of these lessons every day, and they will help you get healed if you need it, and help you stay strong, and uh, maybe never need healing. But if you, know, if you need it, they'll show you how to get it. And I really recommend those things, and there's not very many things that's free anymore. Those are free. Amen. All they cost was my life to be able to spend time doing those for things I've learned for all these years of doing this. But anyway, tonight we're going to be talking, we're going to be teaching healing every Sunday night in November. Uh, this is healing series part two. And tonight's going to be why many Christians fail to receive healing from Jesus. Why many Christians, I'm going to show you the Bible in just a minute. The Bible uses those words, why many Christians fail to receive and why many Christians die prematurely. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? But I have so much confidence in the Word of God, I can say those things because the Bible says those things. How many know that God is not ignorant, doesn't want us ignorant? Amen. God never tells us what we can have if he doesn't tell us how to get it. I want you, I want to start off with look, look, look at a verse I, I was recalling this morning as we're sitting in service even. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 32. And this, 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 I, I believe this will help set this up. It'll help some of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 32. This probably won't be on the screen because I added this after I gave them what to print out. 1 Corinthians 10.32, this is in the epistles, and the epistles are the letters written to the church. The epistles aren't written to the Jews, and they aren't written to the world. They're written to born-again, spirit-filled believers. And, And Paul said this, Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, that means the nations, the people that aren't a Jew or they aren't a Christian, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, that's the body of Christ. That's believers. And so Brother Hagen taught, and I always appreciate sitting under his teaching, that the Bible's written to three classes of people, three groups of people. The Old Testament is written to the Jews and to the world. The epistles are only written to one class. That says born again believers. And so a lot of times people take things that were written to the people of the Old Testament try to apply it to the church we're a whole new breed jesus lives inside of us the holy spirit lives inside of us we don't have to go to somebody else to get direction from god that's why that's why it's so sad i I can't hit the bunny trails but people need to hear some things that's why it's so sad that that many christians run to somebody else to get direction for their life god said very plainly in romans 8 14 for the minutes are led by the Spirit of God. They're the sons of God. He didn't say for me are led by prophets. In the Old Testament, people had to go to the prophets and to the priest because the Spirit of God had anointing on them 
for spiritual things, and regular everyday people didn't have the Spirit of God. So they had to go to somebody that had the Spirit of God on them to be able to receive help and direction. And so that was the Old Testament. Under the New Testament, everybody that's born again has the Holy Spirit. And then they get baptized in the Holy Ghost and begin to pray in tongues, they get a deeper measure where they can see more and pick up on more. And so uh, I, I want to make this statement. Brother Hagin taught this like I quote Brother Hagin a lot because he was the most powerful man of God I ever knew. But Brother Hagin said, and you're going to see this in the word, what I'm going to say in just a minute. There's one reason that the world gets sick. A totally another reason why Christians get sick. Now you see this here says that there's three classes of people. You got the Jews, you got the world people that don't know God, and then you got the church Christians. Okay, God, God had a covenant with Israel. And the world has no covenant until they receive Jesus now. And so God had a covenant, and in that covenant with them was healing all through the Old Testament. And then I showed a verse this morning, Hebrews 8, 6, says that we have a better covenant with better promises as Christians. That's Hebrews 8, 6. And so we have a covenant. We have a covenant with God. The Jews had a covenant with God. The world has no covenant. But when the world, people today, I'm talking about the world, and by the world, I've said people that aren't born again yet. They're in the world. Jesus said we're in the world too, but we're not of the world because we're born again. So we're of the planet, of the place called heaven. That's our citizenship is heaven. We're down here, but we're not one of them. Amen. We're aliens down here. This is a strange place for us because in our hearts, we know how real heaven is. In our hearts, we know how real Jesus is, the blessings of God. We hear the Bible taught in our hearts. We know that's for us. And down here on the world, it grieves Christians so much, just like Lot. The Bible talks about Lot, Abraham's nephew. He was so grieved by Sodom and Gomorrah because that wasn't part of his covenant, that kind of lifestyle. That's why we get so grieved about the things around us because we're in this. We're not of it. We have a different spirit now. Amen. And so there's one reason that the world gets sick. People don't know God. They have no covenant. They're at the mercy of Satan and the natural sickness and diseases, and the devil has no mercy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. As Christians, I'm going to show you some things really simply and plainly tonight that if you will get a hold of these little, little simple stuff I'm showing tonight and begin to be serious about it, and maybe start unplugging your toys sometimes and start opening up your Bible and study these verses out. And I, I learned something as a young Christian. I wasn't raised in church. When I, when I was a little boy, my Baptist grandma used to pick us up. We went to church and things like that. But my family was, well, they were just heathen. I mean, my family was boozers, brawlers, mean, hateful, thieves, thugs, things like that. My family was that way. And so, although I went to church and got born again as a little boy, I backslid because I didn't have anything at home to live for. And so, when I, when I got born again, I knew nothing about the Bible. I, I didn't know anything, so I had a clean slate. And so, when I started studying the Bible, I didn't study the Bible to prove how many checks I make every day. I read through the whole Bible in one year. I knew a person in my life that was very close to me back that time as well, actually the only Christian I knew. Uh, had braggers rights for reading the Bible every year. And I'm not saying that mean, but the Lord told me 
when I was about a month or two old, he said, I would rather you learn one verse this year and live it than to be able to tell everybody you read through the whole Bible. That always stuck me. And so I do a devotion now. I write a devotion for the church that we read. I read it every day. I read Brother Hagin's devotion. But that is vitamins I like to meet for myself. And so to me, a devotional is vitamins. You ought to be able, yourself, in your prayer closet, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and this is what I've done for 43 years, I say, Lord, where are we reading that today? What do I need? And I, and it just amazes me, the places he leads me to, because it's my personal walk with him. He's the teacher. And so many times I say, what class are we in today? And I study that. It might be healing, marriages, uh, pastoral things, or whatever it is, end times. And I, I have my personal feeding, but I like vitamins too, so I read devotionals. And you can't live off devotionals. You can't live off vitamins. I take natural vitamins, but I eat food too. You probably wouldn't believe it, but I do. <laughs> hey, man, do you hear what I'm saying? And so I want to help you. So the verses we're going to talk about tonight, listen to them. They're not just a good lesson that you'll talk to your buddies at work this week that say, boy, we had a great service. What you got? Oh, we had a great first service. Boy, I tell you what, uh, Pastor Dave did a really great with the morning time. Pastor Samples did one at nighttime. It was real, what it was about? I don't know. It made me feel good. Well, we don't want you just feel good. We want you to be equipped for battle. We want you to be able to tell cancer, no, in Jesus' name, you're an invader. You don't belong in my house. We want you to be able to tell diabetes, no, you can't come in here. I don't want you. You're not welcome here. Or whatever the symptoms are, COVID, flus, colds. I remember years ago when I still watched a lot of TV a long time ago, before we had all the fancy TVs, we still had the little old things. I remember... When it would come on after I was a Christian and knew about what I'm teaching tonight, they'd have these commercials. It's flu season. Is your house prepared? Flu season. I'd say, no, it's not. It's healing season. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. I am not going to let the devil brainwash me and try to train me. I have to receive the stuff he's got because I'm not of the world. I'm of the body of Christ. And Jesus is my healer, and I'm always going to live close to Jesus because I like divine health. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so, <clears throat> and so, uh, Mrs. Pastor and I taught at a healing school in a large church in Indianapolis before we were pastors at a healing school in Indianapolis in the early 80s. And then we held a healing school at our own church that we pastored for several years in the 90s. And so healing, healing's been if I've got a specialty, it's teaching on healing. I've taught it so many thousands and thousands and thousands of times to people. I've, I, I've got to Jesus through me and what I teach and how we pray for people has taken so many people off the terminal, terminal uh, diagnosis list into living long list. I mean, I, so many stories we could tell you, and I don't want to get sidetracked with all those things. told you something last week. But anyway, people that will hear the word of God that we teach and take it serious. And take it serious. It's like going to the doctor. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you got the beginning signs of this in your body, but you can stop it now if you start doing this. Stop and build your body with, it might be an okay natural food, but it might be something that's hurting your body. If your doctor tells you, quit consuming this, quit doing this, et cetera, et cetera, you don't do it, 
You can't blame your doctor and say, I got a bad doctor. Your doctor warned you things were coming if you didn't change the way you're doing things. And so that's what I want to say as, as a Bible teacher, the things I show you, and if, there, if there's some way, I just go around to church sometimes and open up people's head, put a funnel there, and pour down into them what I've learned all these years that I walk in so they can get it too, but there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. If you want what I got and what many others in this church have, you've got to do what we did. You've got to shut off. You've got to shut off the distractions of all the different things there are today to steal your time. You know what I do with my cell phone at nighttime? I turn it off and put it on my dresser because I know when I'm tired, if I start looking at something stupid on there, some of the Facebook or other things, all of a sudden it's 45 minutes later and I just think, what did I just see? Well, I went on there for good intentions. I wanted to see if anybody from the church has posted anything. I wanted to see if my family around the country has posted anything. I get off of it, and I thought, man, I just lost an hour of sleep, and I have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, dumb, 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 dumb. And so you have to be a disciplined person if you're going to be a Christian that grows. You have to make some choices. And so we taught for all those years, and so... Now, there's two major reasons why many Christians fail to receive healing and, the, and, and the healing from Jesus, and that's why many die before the time. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Pastor Dave gave you a heads up this morning. I was going to be teaching from this chapter. But, you know, I think about, I think about communion. From the time I started pastoring back in 1992, I knew there was a neighborhood church that uh, where I grew up at. It wasn't a Baptist church. It was another one. But they they had communion every Sunday morning, no matter who you were, born again, not born again, however you lived. They had communion every Sunday morning. And so when I became a pastor, I was really serious about how he wanted me to pastor the church. And when I, when I really knew I got to the place in my own spiritual growth to where I could influence other people, because I, I taught a lot of good sermons I knew, but this is such a holy thing we do up here that I didn't have confidence in me of serving. I was living right as a good Christian, but as a holy man of God to be able to serve communion to other people, I had to have my confidence to be able to do that to please Jesus. And so communion, communion is such a holy thing to God. You're going to see some things tonight in communion that will change your life forever if you'll listen closely. And so, so many churches, like that church, they did it every week. And when I started getting drawn by the Spirit of God in 1979 to start going to church to be a Christian, I'll never forget it. I had a boss I worked with that he was really, really, really a good man. He's old enough to be my dad. But I worked on the midnight shift. and got off at 8.30 in the morning time. And this guy was a super beer drinker. I mean, man, we'd head straight to the, straight to the bar and we'd walk in that tavern. And this is the truth. You know, the little tapper things that do that, get beer. Walk in there, the bartender would have him a glass, and we'd walk in there, and I'd sit down beside him. I'd get a bottle of beer. He'd put his glass under that tapper, and that guy would fill it up three or four times, and he'd down it if we ever sit down with me. Now, I told that story to tell this. Then I, I started getting drawn by the Spirit of God, and the first church to do to check out was that neighborhood church where I'd visited as a boy. I went in there, and this man... That to me, he was one of the world's greatest beer drinkers I ever saw. He was in the choir and he helped serve communion. 
That's the truth. I don't think I ever heard the guy cuss. As a matter of fact, he got to teach classes at the high school sometimes. And he was an umpire for the little leagues. He was a good family man. Morals were all good. Super beer drinker, but I know he wasn't born again. And so that church, that's how they honored communion there. It was a tradition they did. And so when I began to serve communion as a pastor, I thought, if I'm going to be judged by God for how I pastor for him, I want to learn something about this. And so I learned what communion's about. And we're going to look at these verses, but I just want to say this. I studied that for a season before I did it. I come to find out how many have ever heard of the Passover in the book of Exodus. That's when this started. That was the blood. That was eating the lamb. And so they did, they, they did that. And then God told, the God told Israel, said, you will do this forever. And so the Lord was teaching me about it. Then that came to the church where it became communion. And then the Lord took me to the future in the book, in heaven, in the book of Revelation. And it's called the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to do in heaven what we're doing down here. And when I saw how serious this was with God, it was past tense, present tense, and future tense. I thought, man, there's a lot of things here I need to know about this because I don't want to just have something in my church. Well, this is our tradition. It's not our tradition. It's instructions from the Lord for Christians to do what we talked about this morning, to live a victorious Christian life. Amen. And so that's why I never want to brush over it lightly when I always let people examine themselves. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28 to 31. <clears throat> I'm going to major on these verses right here. It says, at communion time, let a man or a woman, talk about us as believers, examine himself, and then, after you've examined yourself, then eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, and the Greek would say in an unworthy manner, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself. I don't want to bring judgment on myself. How about you? It's an unworthy matter. And so not, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, we're going to really, everything we do tonight is going to be off those words right there. Not discerning the Lord's body. Now look, now look at this. This is what I've said. Now you can see it in the Bible. For this cause, for this cause, not discerning the Lord's body, many are weakly and sickly among you. It didn't say out of the world. The people are weak and sickly in the world because they're not walking with Jesus. They're not born again. They don't live by the Bible. But he said, among you. That's why I can with confidence tell you, I can teach you from the Bible tonight why many, not all, but why many people in the body of Christ are weak and sickly among you. And he said, and many sleep. And what that means, many die prematurely. Many die before they live the, the minimum of our covenant is 70 years at least, because that's what they got in, in, in the desert for those 40 years. They got to be 70. But we can go further and further and further and further in our life if we know what the Bible says is ours. And when I say these things, there's so many qualifications I can put on it. Number one, live a right moral life. You can't just flip, flip God off and live how you want to sexually. You can't do that. You can't treat everybody. You can't be meaner than a junkyard dog to your fellow human being and think the Bible's going to work for you. And so I'm talking about, I'm talking about Christians that have clean hearts with God. 
The Lord told me one time there's three things he looks at in a Christian's life. Your heart, your words, and your actions. Your heart. And so I'll say this. God knows the difference between sin chasing after you or you chasing after sin. You know, most Christians I know at some time or another get suckered into something. I have, you have, things happen. There's a difference between the devil pulling a sucker punch and you falling for something a time or two or three or for a little while. Or are you chasing after that and looking it up and going around places? Man, you don't want to go around places where the wrong thing's going on. If you're a Christian, if you choose to camp out in Satan's backyard, then Satan's going to be your master. That's that. I'm talking about Christians that have a right heart and they want to do right. And when you fall into something, you just come to your senses pretty quick. You say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what can I do to make that right? And if there's other people involved, you're willing to swallow your pride and go talk to somebody and tell them, I want to tell you what I did, what I said, that wasn't Christ-like. Amen. Jesus didn't have me do that. I was stupid, and I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have. That's, that's the kind of Christians I'm talking about. Like Pastor Dave said this morning, this, this isn't a church full of perfect people. This is a church full of bunch of people that want to get better and better in serving Jesus every day. Amen? And so when I look at these verses, keep those things in mind. You can't live how you want to and memorize a few verses and think you've got a magic wand now. There's, there's, there's no secret magic wands. It's obeying the Bible and learning the Bible. So he says, for this cause, many. And so when I see the many, he didn't say 100%. He said many. So there's different reasons that Christians get sick that I can tell you based upon the authority of the Bible writer, many people that are Christians are weak and sickly and many die prematurely. Then he says, verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And so in, in this very familiar passage on how to receive Holy Communion, it says very plainly, there's a reason. There's a reason many believers are weak and physically sick and die prematurely. Verse 29, he that eateth drink in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. And the next part is so plain. And I just want to just emphasize this so you get it because I just think about everything in life that we go through. If there's somebody that's an expert in the field that you're talking about, and they tell you, well, I can tell you right now, I don't know about your particular case, but I know this, many people, many people lose that area you're fighting with right now because of this reason. Well, if the Bible says many, many are physically sick for these reasons, I want to know them. I want to know them so I can make some change, so I can live long and live strong. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to get away from that because I just cause sometimes I think when I'm talking, trying to help people, some things blow past them. I don't want to just think I have to get through this whole lesson just like so say I did it. I want to make sure this sinks in with you. He said, many of you, because he said in the church, many among you, some people right now in the church are watching online, maybe wondering, why, why, why am I not getting healed? Why am I not receiving? Why, 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 why? I live a good life. I like people. I'm a tither. I go to church. I teach a class. I help people. Why, why, why am I not getting healed? Well, I'm telling you, listen, 
Listen from your heart. Listen on the inside of you, and then we'll do what the Bible says do. He said, not discerning the Lord's body, and that's why many are weak and sickly. So uh, some of this is going to be on the screen, but listen now. That word discern means to see. Not seeing the Lord's body. How could you not see the Lord's body? Well, the Lord's body, we have to understand. I might reverse these around from the way they're coming up there. But the Lord's body right here, how many, I can go to all the scriptures, but I don't want to. How many know that in the epistles, it calls you and me the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ according to the New Testament. We're his spiritual body. We are the body of Christ. He said, maybe you don't see the body of Christ. And what does that mean? That means no matter what race you are, no matter what denomination you are, if you are a person that believes and confesses that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you're in the body of Christ. If somebody else isn't in your denomination and doesn't believe things exactly like you do, they're in the body of Christ. You've got to see whether they're black, they're white, they're yellow, they're brown, they're red, or whatever they are, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have a Native American section. We're not going to have an African American section. We're not going to have a Caucasian section. We're not going to have an Asian section. We get to heaven, all we're going to see is blood-bought believers. And so to me... Because he said right here, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, I would say that one of the most dangerous things that would hinder Christians' healing is to have hatred or animosity towards somebody that confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior because they're a different color. Because they go to a different denomination. Because they don't speak in tongues. Or because they speak in tongues. What a division that is. Tongue talkers versus non-tongue talkers. You don't go to heaven because you speak in tongues. You don't stay out of heaven because you don't speak in tongues. You go to heaven because you believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He died for your sins. He has rose from the dead. And the last thing I would ever do in my life is to ever, ever, ever get on a conversation judging other Christians. Why is that? Because I learned these verses years ago and I walk in them. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Well, pastor, what do you think about this preacher over here? Do you know what this preacher's saying? Like that thing I just showed you. You know, come mean against that guy. I said, he's not teaching the Bible. That's just a fact. I didn't judge him. I didn't throw stones at him. I didn't tell people don't go to his church. I didn't tell people, hey, everybody go on Facebook, expose that guy. He's a fraud. I didn't say that. Why is that? For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you because they don't see the Lord's body. And so when I see Christians, that I, things that I know is wrong, I don't want to stone them. I want to pray for them. Amen. I pray for their eyes to be open. So th- this isn't where we're going to be at night, this one thing here. But I just want you to see this. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. They don't discern the Lord's body. And so Christians in our own church even, sometimes in our church, believe it or not, there's just some Christians that have backslid. There's been Christians in our church that have, that have slandered me to other people, have slandered my son to other people. And I know that for myself, if I were sitting out there, which I did for a lot of years before I was up here, 
that I would never, ever, 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 ever join in a conversation against my pastor. I'd never do that. I would never do that. I know that I had plenty of opportunities when I was a sheep. My pastor wasn't a perfect pastor. But I would never join in that conversation throwing stones at him. Why? For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. And so I would say that one of the number one reasons that Christians fail to receive healing is because they don't discern his, phys- his, his spiritual body. And now we're going we're to talk now, I'm going to shift a gear, I'm going to talk about his physical body. When Jesus lived on the earth, there was one body of Christ. That was the one he lived in. Do you understand what I've said here? He said that for this cause, because they don't discern the body of Christ. Jesus had one body. And so if you want, if you want to be around the body of Christ, you had to go where Jesus was preaching. Amen. Do you, do you recognize that these verses right here starts off by saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Yeah, then he talks about discerning and seeing that body that was broken for us. And so I want to go into that. And look, look at why he would say, it's my body, which is broken for you. And so Jesus lived in a physical body while on earth. And through the Roman scourge, he took all sickness and disease for the human race when he was scourged. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. That's not just a nice saying and a nice verse. That's your key to healing and health. That is your key to healing and health. Uh, there's so many things I could say, but I just I just want to stick with what I've got written down today, of course. Christians... Being ignorant of God's word is one of the many reasons they fail to receive healing, physical healing they need it, not discerning the Lord's body. And, uh, you know, I've, I've probably got more on the screen there, but I've already hit the walking in love part. But uh, they don't discern the Lord's spiritual body, and then they don't discern and see his physical body, his physical body. And so I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14. In Isaiah 52, verse 14, and I I learned many years ago, the book of Isaiah was written 750 years before Jesus came to the earth. Isaiah 52, verse 14, and a lot of Isaiah talks about the coming Messiah, talks about the time of the church coming, talks about what God was going to do, and Oh, Pastor Dave teaching on the end times. How many are appreciating that? That is, that is really good what he's doing. That's a, I tell you what, that, that's very, very, very sobering to me to hear my son, the pastor of this church, teach the things he's teaching because that's the Spirit of God on him teaching those things. And we've all got our different areas that we, uh, that, that we excel in sometimes, but the Lord has anointed on him right now for teaching what he's teaching. And it's very real. But to think about, to think about these things in the book of Isaiah, 750 years before Jesus was even here, he pretty much told everything about his life, who he was, what he was going to do, et cetera. And I, I think about Jesus. I prayed for somebody this morning at the, at the, at the prayer line and talking, praying about a person that was in trouble in life. And, and I said, you know, Jesus, 
Jesus knows the number of every hair on every head that's on the planet. And I've heard Christians water that down and say, he, he, he said he knows the number of your hairs. He didn't say he knows how many hairs you've got. He does, but he says he knows the number on every hair. When I saw that years ago, I'd be combing my hair or something. I'd say, hair falls. I said, what is that? Is that 5,392? Or what is it? What's the number on that one, Jesus? And so think about this. If he knows the number of every hair on every head on this planet, he knows you, he knows me, everything about us. I was praying about something, I think it was yesterday morning or maybe early this morning. I said, Lord, I said, you are so far beyond anything I can imagine. I cannot imagine all the things that will go around all over the world right now that here I am talking to you this morning and I know in my heart that you're listening to me and you're inspiring me to see some of these verses I'm seeing. And I said, I don't know how you do all that because all these people everywhere, yet you're right here and you're that personal with me. As I'm saying for you tonight and for the ones watching out there, God knows who you are. He knows what you need right now. He's giving you answers right now about your healing, about your health. And so Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, this is prophesying of the scourging. And we're going to really in detail look at that scourging in just a few minutes. So it says, as many were astonished, astonished at thee, his vestige, his appearance was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. And how many ever saw the Passion of the Christ years ago? Well, at that time, I went with the church people back then. We would watch that. And because I've studied this scourging so much and taught so many times, I couldn't hardly watch it. I know that Christians wasn't there for entertainment. When I read what I read in a minute, it's stuff I've taught for all these years. I only saw that one time, and I hated seeing it because I knew that one just what happened wasn't just Hollywood right here. It says that Jesus was so hideous what happened to him that nobody even recognized he was a human being. And keeping in mind, this is all about seeing the body of Christ. He said, not discerning the Lord's body. And I want to have this picture painted by so clearly for you to see how serious it is with Jesus and God the Father for you to be serious about healing and not put up with stupid stuff, try to destroy your life. Because God not only allowed Jesus to take our sins and go to hell, he allowed Jesus to get pulverized physically before that happened to him. And, 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 the, and the judgment of going to hell and being raised from the dead was for your eternal life. But then the scourging was for your physical life while on earth. They said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly because they don't see what happened to his body. And so it says that uh, this is foretelling the hideous physical punishment that Jesus was going to take so we could be healed. This is 750 years in advance. Now go over to chapter 53. And look at verse 4 and verse 5. And this, 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 these chapters through here talk a lot about the Messiah who he was, what he was going to do, and then what he was going to do as our substitute. Verse 4 and verse 5, I always read this from the Hebrew things to get my real pictures of it. King James uh, 
it doesn't really do it justice. And I know that most of you have new translations, so yours will probably read different anyway. But it says, surely hath borne our griefs. And that Hebrew word there means sicknesses. He took our sicknesses and carried our sorrows. And that sorrows means pains. Jesus, and this is 750 years of the past. See, God always calls those things to be not as though they were. He saw this happening because God knows the ending from the beginning. He saw this happening 750 years in advance, and the prophet relayed what he saw in the spirit. Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains and diseases, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and struck down by God, and afflicted. And when I said Sunday, I had a really strong man years ago teaching this. He taught me what this was. Surely he says, we have esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. He said that was the disciples given their report of what they saw happen. The disciples of the people there thought that somehow or some way we thought he was the man, but no, this is God's judgment on him. And they thought it was a judgment on him because he'd done wrong in his earth walk. And that's what they said. We considered him smitten of God that he was bad, but no, it was because we were bad. It's because we were a fallen man, and because of that, God had to judge a perfect man, his son. And so part of the fall in the Garden of Eden, sickness and disease come in. There was none until Satan came in. When Satan came in, he brought uh, cousins in. One was called sin, one was called sickness. They're cousins. God hates sickness as much as he does sin. Christians don't realize that because they haven't really been taught the Bible. And the world has us so used to a pill for everything, a shot for everything, a remedy for everything. And so, once again, we're not against doctors, we're not against hospitals, we're not against medical science. We're for all of that because people need that. And Christians like us, too many times, we need that to keep us alive till we get this. Does that make sense to you? We need that. And so we've always got to watch, watch out, especially in this Sue Happy Society, somebody like me up here teaching this, that my words are turned around and say that man is getting people hurt because he said doctors are no good. No, no. Doctors saved my life, saved my family's life, and has saved us. But God has a way through the Word of God that hopefully we keep that stuff off of us. And then if we need help, we go to the doctors. Amen. Amen. And then, by the way, I've seen people make this mistake before. If God has you on medication, if, if the doctors have you on medication, and if the Lord speaks to your heart that you're healed, let the doctors take you off the medication. If you feel led to go to the doctor, and you go to the doctor, then you need to submit to the doctor and do what he says to do. Because doctors are out there, like pastors like me are out here to help people. And so when the doctors run their test and they do their things, they can monitor you what's going on. And if Jesus healed you, when they look at their lab results, they're going to see it. Amen. And so don't be a deceived, flaky Christian that throws your medicine away. Let your doctor make that choice. Amen. Somebody, somebody could clap for that one or something. Man, you got, you got to hold on to that. And so 
Uh, surely he hath borne our sickness, back to verse 4, and carried our pains and diseases. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, spit of God afflicted. But he was wounded. He was wounded or pierced through, it says in Hebrew. Pierced through. Do you know that Jesus was pierced? His hands were pierced. His feet were pierced. His side was pierced. His head was pierced. It says he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised. And Hebrew says crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now look at this. And this is 750 years in advance. With his stripes we are healed. And that at the center column for Hebrew says blows that cut in. That's talking about the flogging. With his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. And let me just throw something to you. I just, you know, just when you've walked this as long as I have, and talk as long as I have, some things are just so second nature to me. They're in my subconscious. I don't even think about them. But I think about people trying to figure out how with his stripes we are healed. Well, by his resurrection, we were saved. But you don't walk in the reality of that salvation till you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. And so a lot of these things we're seeing, if, 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 if by his death, burial, resurrection, we are saved, but we don't get it till we start talking it and believing it, then same thing if you're healing. You need to start saying what the Bible says. If God says, with his stripes we are healed, you need to start saying what God says. I was saved by his death, burial, and resurrection, and with his stripes I was healed. You need to start saying that. Say what the Bible says. Jesus is the one, and I want to say this again. He said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Many die prematurely because they don't see the Lord's body. His body was beaten, bruised, pierced, mutilated, made into hamburger meat, just pulverized like that. So we can say, with his stripes, we are healed. God did that for our healing. He was very serious about redeeming mankind from eternity in hell. And he was just as serious about redeeming mankind from hell on earth through sickness and disease. I'm, I'm, I'm just making eyeball to eyeball contact looking. I just kind of see who's getting it, what's going on because it's real. As a pastor, one of my least favorite things to do is see somebody that I love in a hospital dying. Especially young aged or middle aged. You know, I don't mind somebody 80 or 90 years old that uh, they want to go to heaven, they're saved, that's good. But I want to see people that are young and middle-aged and even older age, like some people in this church are today. I'm not going to say who, but some people are older now. But as some, some people are getting older, I want us, Cindy, to, to be able to join our grandchildren, Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> and some of us, wow, Ernest. <laughs> some, some of us are to the place in life now that we want to say no to sickness and disease and old age things and yes to Jesus and healing. If he bought this for us, we want it and we want to keep it. And I just want to keep on saying this so these will get into you from 1 Corinthians 11. For this cause, many are weakly and sickly in the church. What is this cause? They're not discerning and not seeing what happened to the Lord's body. And uh, I've heard I've heard pastors say. I've talked to pastors before, that say goofy stuff like we saw up there that man said this morning about God builds your trust by making you sick. 
I've seen pastors say, well, I don't know why. I don't know why people in my church are so sick. This go out and they all got it. We believe in healing. Duh. The one thing said, I believe in healing. That one thing of healing being real to you, where you help somebody else get it. Amen. Amen. I just think about uh, the Financial Peace University our church teaches, the Dave Ramsey course, like that. Well, I believe in budgets. If you believe in budgets, how come you spend all your money eating out all week long and can't pay your bills? If you believe in budgets, how come you take off and go to Disney or Knoxbury or wherever you go, spend all your money, and then say, well, we can't afford a better car? If you believe in something, you live it. Amen. And so, uh, by his Christ we are healed. And so, so this is foretelling the beating of the Roman whipping post. Now go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. What's the last statement we read there? With his stripes we are healed. Now Matthew chapter 8. And that, that was 750 years before the gospel, before Jesus was here. And so Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and verse 17. Now this, this is Matthew talking about Jesus while he was on the earth. It says, verse 16, When the evening was come, they brought to many that were possessed with demons. He cast out the spirits with his word. Your words are so powerful. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. It says that he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. And this from Isaiah 53, we just read it, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He took our sins, he took our sicknesses. He took our sins, he took our sicknesses. He took our sins, he took our sicknesses. I got I got to keep on saying this because this is the key point tonight. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. You think healing is just a nice thing if it's not too serious. You know, you think, well, man, everything the doctor pills can handle, I will do. And so, unless it gets really serious, I don't want to ask Jesus to heal me. He already did it. You've got to learn how to receive what He did with His stripes. We are healed. We're not trying to get healed. I heard Gloria Copeland say probably 40 years ago that we, we are not the sick trying to get healed. We're the healed as Satan's trying to make us sick. There's a difference. There's a difference. Sickness is not a part of the new covenant. Healing is a part of the new covenant. Not discerning the Lord's body. You've got to see that God was so serious about your healing he allowed his only begotten son not only to die for your sins to be tortured, brutalized like no man ever before before he ever got to the cross. It's just so second nature to me. I just really desire to get this into everybody so you look at healing from a whole different arena and so many Christians, so many Christians, they'll go on Facebook and I, I, don't, I don't look at that garbage. They'll go on Facebook and they'll try to get, if, if, if we can just get 2,000 people to pray for my nephew, why do you need 2,000 people to pray for your nephew? Are you a believer? Do you know the name of Jesus? Is the word of God true? 
Well, people that say things like that, and something else too. Man, Pastor Dave's one pastor now, so he can handle all the hits. Uh, we don't have a prayer chain here. We don't have a prayer tree. They're not in the Bible. Jesus broke the chains of bondage off of us. That's the only chains I saw. And the only tree I saw was called the cross at Calvary. And so we're not going to put anybody on our prayer tree. Jesus got on the tree for us. He paid the price. He broke the chains for us. We're not going to have a prayer chain. And he told us we could ask anything in his name and he'll do it for one person. And then in Matthew 18, 19, he said, if any two shall agree. Amen. So the most I'd hook up with, I really hook up with scripture would be another person. And so we want to make sure that we see about the Lord's body. And so go to Matthew 27, verse 26. And this is going to bring us right in the home stretch for what you need to see about that scourging. Okay, so, so, so we, we all know that uh, the Jews did everything they could to get Jesus cru- crucified, and they finally put it over on Barabbas, the leader there of that city. And verse 26 says, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had... And this just goes past so many people because they don't know the value of what's right here, but I'm going to really amplify and highlight this right here because right here is why you can have total confidence that you're seeing the Lord's body, what happened, and why healing belongs to you. And every time you take communion, when you see this, my Bible is broken, you'll think about this verse and what I'm going to read to you. It says, and when he had scourged Jesus, that's such a simple little one-line statement right there. When he had scourged Jesus, and the Greek says when he had flogged with a scourge, and I'm going to read that flogging to you. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Made a stop on the way to the cross to take care of your healing. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you because they don't see this. They don't know this. They think that healing is just an option that if you can get enough people to pray, maybe you can get help. And if you don't, then that's okay. Uh, sickness is just the way it is. No, it's not the way it is. The Bible's written to three classes of people. The Jews, the lost people of the world, and the church. This here is part of our covenant in the church. Now, that scourge right now, I copied this out of some really good, don't know what book, years ago, a spiritual book, and just made a copy. And I've carried this in my sermon book for years. And I look at this from time to time to remind me what this scourging is. I could have put this on the screen, I guess. But listen to this scourging, and this is why we can say, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Because with God, this is not a Mel Brooks movie. With God, this is his son. This is for the body of Christ. It's actually for the whole world. Anybody at any time that want to, they can cross that line from the world into the church by saying, Jesus, I believe in you and I want you. But a scourging this, it says this, a scourge was a Roman implement for severe bodily punishment. It consisted, now look at this. This is why when I watched that Mel Brooks movie, I couldn't watch it because I knew in real life what happened. And it, it hurt me so bad as trying to see that movie there and know what Jesus did and what he went through for me. I just, I couldn't, it made, it made me, 
I don't confess sick, but about made me sick at my stomach because it was really tough to try to watch that movie because I knew that that's Hollywood, but that's reality too. And so it consisted of a handle with about a dozen leather cords with jagged pieces of bone or metal at each end to make the blow more painful and effective. The victim was tied to a post and the blows were applied to the bare back and loins and sometimes to the face and bowels. The flesh was cut in several places by each blow. So hideous was the punishment that the victim often fainted and some died. It was designed to get confessions and secrets from its victims, but what could they get from an innocent, sinless one? And it got verses in here talking about Jesus was innocent. He was sinless. He is the son of God. There's nothing he can confess. He never sinned. He was perfect. And so flogging was permitted by the law up to 40 stripes, and that's in Deuteronomy. Jews reduced this to 39 stripes, and if the scourge used of Jesus, now listen to this, if the scourge used on Jesus had 12 thongs, he was hit even 39 times, that'd make 468 stripes. I just, when I think about that, I don't know if it does you what it does me, but I think about how horrible that thing was, and I think about the hatred that the world has for Jesus, hatred that the world has for Christians, hatred that the world has for the Jews, and that man was a professional torturer that knew how to use that whip. He knew how to hit the same place over and over and over and over again, and I could see why people would die. And when you read this story in Matthew and in the Gospels, after that, he had to carry his own cross. How did he even get up off the ground? And all I know is that uh, he is very strong physically. He took care of himself. He is in such great shape. He could, after all that, get up and carry that cross. Anyway, if the scourge used on Jesus had 12 thongs and he was hit even 39 times, this would make 468 stripes. <clears throat> if some struck in the same place and cut deeper each time, one could see how his body, because the tense hatred back of each blow, was marred. We looked at that in Isaiah 50, 14, more than any other man's. Does that kind of give a picture to you of discerning the Lord's body? That's why he said, and this is why I've seen in so many lives, the majority of Christians that I've worked with over the years, the main reason they failed to receive healing, they did not see the word of God, what belonged to them. They didn't see it. If they saw it, they would have got serious. If they saw it, instead of trying to see how much they could read through it one day just to meet their quota for reading through the Bible, they would have quit doing that they would have started majoring. If they needed healing, they would have started majoring on advertised healing books all the time. Teach sermons like this all the time. If I started having symptoms in my body, or if I was starting to go to a doctor for what could be a serious medical diagnosis, and I went to a church like this, I would listen intently to verses like this. I would shut off my smartphone in my spare time. I'd open my Bible. I would read these. And in the epistles, the epistles to the church, in Ephesians, 
It says one of the prayers we're to pray for ourselves, fellow believers, is that my eyes of understanding be opened to see what Jesus has done for me. It takes the Holy Spirit to open your spiritual eyes to where you can start seeing, and that's discerning. You can start discerning. This sickness has no right in my family. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was scourged. Jesus took leukemia, which I knew in 1988 when that boy, that man, got healed. He is a three-and-a-half-year-old crippled boy with leukemia in 1988. I saw him two months into diagnosis by the power of God. Two weeks. Two, two weeks. I saw him in the children's hospital, and I didn't know it for years that God lifted him up. I thought he jumped up. Then after I preached this thing a thousand times, one day he said, Dad, I didn't jump up. Something picked me up. I saw the cripple jump up off the bed and go down down the hallway at three and a half years old. I saw one of the best children's doctors on blood diseases in Indianapolis talk to me and told me, I don't understand this. And I told him, I was a believer, not a preacher then. I said, well, consider this. I said, start off with, you told me that your baffled was his words. I said, well, I am not at all going to tell you how to do your job because that's what you do. I said, I'm a Christian. I said, I don't just believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus is also our healer. And said, I can consider this because he was still jumping up down the hallway for about an hour. And him and people like that there because he was the cripple. He was doing that. I said, consider this, that Jesus healed him. And he said, those things do happen. And just so happened at that time, the healing school I was teaching in Indianapolis, my uh, guy I taught it with was a doctor. He was a cancer doctor at the same hospital group. And he told me when that was going on, they had a retreat for doctors. And he said the whole weekend, the whole weekend, all those doctors in that group were talking about him. Said so they were talking about what happened. We don't know how that happened. What happened? What happened because his dad and mom knew that Jesus took those stripes on his back. And we told the devil, devil, you're not going to kill my son. You're not taking him. You're finished. That's not going to go on anymore. You're out of here. And that's what happened. And so this is so real to us that we know that, we knew that. And I just want to just, one more time, if there's some way I could open up your heads, I can lay hand on those things that distract you and steal your time. And just tell you, lay your phone down, get off your computers, get in the Word of God, not just anywhere, but verses you hear here, verses you read in other good healing books. Start getting those things into you so much that you really know that you know that you know that you know all sickness and all disease is an invader. You have to put up with it. God doesn't want you to put up with it. You don't bother him to ask him for healing because he already told you it belongs to you. And you start recognizing in no way, shape, or form is healing a blessing from God to help you be a better Christian. John 10.10 said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to you to have and enjoy life. And if you're sick, if your kids are sick, you are not having and enjoying life. Get this second nature. I'm closing out with this last verse. 1 Peter 2.24 
And how many times does Jesus, through the Word of God, have to tell us the same thing over and over and over and over before maybe, maybe all of a sudden you go, duh, is God trying to tell me something? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Why does he keep saying it over and over and over and over again? Because sometimes we are dense. Sometimes we just let things blow past us, but over and over again. First Peter 2.24. And so before I read this, let me, make, let, me, let me say this. The book of Hebrews Old Testament was past tense. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they told that, it was happening right then. He was on the earth in that body, the body of Christ, healing people. And that was present tense when that was written. Now here is after, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is future tense when it was past. And Peter said this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree on the cross. And so Jesus took our sins. It says that we've been dead to sins. Christians don't have to sin every day. Our spirit is dead to sinning. Our soul is being renewed. Our soul is being transformed. That's our mind, will, and emotions. And so it says our spirit's dead to sinning. He says we're dead to sinning, so we should live under righteousness. So he tells us what we should do. He said you ought to leave, live right because your spirit is born again. The Holy Spirit's in your spirit. You're dead to sinning. And then right here, by whose stripes you were healed, by whose wounds you were healed. And so we saw Isaiah, we saw Matthew, we saw Peter, same yesterday, Old Testament, today, right now, New Testament, and then future tense, we were. And so we as Christians, I just want to close by saying this, there's nothing I can do to make anybody get serious about the Bible. I can teach it. I could dangle it in front of you. I could tell it, but there's no shortcuts. I was talking to Nadine back here at the coffee bar a while ago. I'm so used to walking what I walk in. I've told this, but I'll tell it again. Uh, back in June, uh, we went. We all went to Honduras. Cindy went with us, and Michael, you didn't get to go this time, did you? Her brother did. We were in Honduras. All the way back from Honduras over the Atlantic Ocean, I had a major stroke in June in the air on an airplane. It hit me. I couldn't talk. Words came out. Just stuff. Mrs. Pastor laid hands on me. We live in this and we walk in this. Laid hands on me and uh, I, I, I recovered, came out of it. But it was a serious hit. I thought, I mean, if you ever went through something, all of a sudden you're talking, what you're thinking is not coming out, just really goofy gibberish that means nothing coming out. That's what happened. And so then a couple of days after we got back, I thought, I know that was serious. Maybe I should go to the doctor to have him check me. So I went down to St. Mary's and beautiful Katie went with me. She's always my in-house going with me person. So Katie spent basically <laughs> lived in the hospital down there. I think it was three days. It was down there. One four. I think it was just three days. We were down there. They did MRIs. They did CAT scans. They did ultrasounds and all the other stuff. And it came down to this, that uh, I shouldn't have been talking. I shouldn't have been walking. I should not be there. I should not be functional, et cetera, et cetera. And the doctor told me that 5.0 stroke is a killer. You had a 4.5. 
said, on the back of your brain, we saw a golf ball size. I don't, did you name that thing? I think you just said golf ball size, whatever it was. Anyway, a golf ball size thing on my brain. He said, that controls your motor mechanisms for mechanisms for talking, things like that there. And all, all you can say is somebody up there likes you. And I said, yeah, his name's Jesus. And I'm saying that for this. Uh, faith is something to people like us that have lived this so long, we don't even think about it, we just live it. And I would like everybody that hears us teaching the things we teach, to this become second nature to you, you automatically know what to do. Amen. You speak right, you do right, you act right, and no matter what you hear, what you know, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. You get a diagnosis, don't start saying stupid stuff about I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Well, if you're not sick, why'd you go to the doctor? You don't deny the sick, you deny it's right to stay. Get that one more time. It's so hard for a pastor or a Bible teacher that knows what we know when somebody comes with a prayer line. I went to the doctor and he said this about me, but you know it's a lie. And all I can think is, you're goofy. You've been taught wrong. If it's a lie, why did you go? No, it's a fact, but the Bible's the truth and the truth will change the facts. Now we found out, we found out what the target is to shoot after our faith, so now we'll aim at that cancer. We'll aim, at that, we'll aim at that blood disease. We'll use our faith on that, and it can't stay. So I want you to get to that place where you begin to see what's going on and know that it may be there, but it's not in my covenant. Healing's in my covenant, and that's where I'm going. Amen? Amen. Anybody get anything out of this tonight? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, let's see. We've got... Uh, okay. Are you Josh Jr. tonight? Uh, is that Julie? <laughs> I love my church. Do you guys love your church? Yeah. Hey, Amen. Let's stand up. And as we as we have taught the Word of God tonight, uh, some, somebody holler out Romans ten seventeen. Okay, what subject from the Word of God did we teach tonight? healing. And so what kind of faith got strong in here tonight? Faith for healing. And so I want to say this. You guys can get that out of here if you want to. I want to say this. Mark chapter 16 in verse 17 and 18 says these words. And it's Jesus and he's talking to us. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He did not say in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and because they've committed great sins, I won't heal them. He didn't say that. So many times people have a guilty conscience from the devil that God's not going to help them because what bad persons they've been. Jesus took our sins he wants you to go and sin no more. He doesn't want you to live in it. But if things will come on you because of your actions, just repent, have a heart right with God, and receive your healing. Don't let the devil tell you 
that you're not good enough because nobody's good enough. That's why Jesus came. Don't let the devil tell you you don't deserve it because you're not a strong Christian yet. Nobody deserves it. Jesus has got it for us. So after the things I taught tonight, that God went to all the trouble to have Jesus get pulverized before he even got to the cross so he could say, by his stripes you are healed. When we lay hands on you, if you are sick, I can promise you upon the truth of God's word that if any one of us lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, the healing power of God will flow from heaven through us right into your body. And you may have put up something for a long time. You may have cried, prayed, done all you know to do, and you've been failing to receive healing. Well, for this cause, many are weak and sick among you because they didn't see. You see now, he took it. So now that you see that, you're set up to receive. So if you need healing, major or minor, in God's eyes, it's not minor. If it bothers you, it bothers him. So we're going to worship God and be brave enough to come up and receive healing if you need it. And when you leave here tonight, just be thinking and praising him. His word's true. And by his stripes you were healed. You're getting better every day. Amen. Amen. Come on up to the surgery room.
All right, well, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. Did anybody receive from the Word of God this evening? Amen. Some awesome, awesome verses there. I encourage you to, you know, make sure you're writing those down and you can go back and study because faith comes when we hear the word of God. Amen. All right. We're going to close out in prayer tonight. Of course, we got service on Wednesday at seven, the women's meeting Friday night at six thirty, and then lots of other good things coming up. So make sure that you're in the loop. And if you're going to get baptized, uh, this coming Sunday, you can see Raymond, I think over here by this wall and he's going to grab a picture of you and uh, it's going to be an awesome week so let's go ahead and close in prayer tonight father in jesus name we thank you lord for the power that we have seen in the word of god tonight lord we know it is your will for us to be healthy lord to be made whole and to be able to do everything you've called us to do and so i pray in jesus name that we'll take the word to heart tonight in jesus name lord and that we are living the life that you have called us to live healthy and whole in every way thank you for it lord in jesus name amen give the lord some praise tonight all right let's speak our barstow faith confession and then you are dismissed we declare that barstow is a blessed city our families are blessed our schools are blessed our churches are blessed barstow is healed barstow is prospering barstow is safe Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, 